Welcome to another episode of the Community Broadband Bits Podcast. This is the Gila River edition, and I'm sitting here with uh, a friend, uh, Ms. Jengle. (laughs) (laughs) Jengle all the way. Uh, Jessica Engel, who uh, I met at our first tribal broadband boot camp, the tribal wireless boot camp, and who is now with Althea. Hi, everybody. So I'm doing community outreach with Althea, getting the affordable connectivity program stood up and doing all kinds of fun stuff. And all of it is uh, thanks to the connections made from that original boot camp. Yeah, I'm sure you wouldn't have had any friends without us. No, I'm sure I wouldn't. Not at least the cool ones that do all kinds of broadband stuff. So we want to we want to focus in. We have a kind of a tight window here. We can't meander like my normal shows. Um, and Jessica, you have been on uh, Connect This, I know, and uh, I think we did a, a broadband bits podcast too. But probably. Um, but you you have had a lot of close up experience with ACP. Yep. You've lived to learn lessons and to talk about it, and and I think that's what we're gonna focus on here: the affordable connectivity program yes so started with the emergency broadband benefit program back um in the beginning of 21 and so that program was something that you had to like sit through a bunch of webinars to learn how to do it turned out though because there was no uh, allowance for administrative costs that i personally had to stay up till midnight every last day of the month in order to get folks enrolled um because on the first of each month there's a snapshot taken of your database and those are the only people you can claim for on the 15th of the month. If you miss your claim date, you cannot go back. There is no passing go or collecting any sort of dollars. And so with Affordable Connectivity Program in March, not at the beginning of the program, but in March, um, they changed that rule. So now you can go back up to six months, but only up to March and only claim what was in your snapshot for those individual months. So if you have someone that deserves the discount, but may not have all their paperwork in order. Is that what you're? Yes. So that basically what that the FCC has told us as providers to just charge them. And that's wonderful because then you have a person who thought they went through all the trouble of applying, which is not easy and they're still getting a bill. And that is a big problem. So when you say charge them, this is a, let's let's sketch it out for, for uh, people, right? Um, I'm uh, I'm a person living, um, you know, on a reservation, I'm eligible for the $75 a month, or at least let's say, I guess we believe I am. It's not always yes. totally clear. Right. But right. we believe I am. And, uh, and I, and so I come to you and I say, Hey, I want this, uh, this discount. Um, you're the service provider. What, what do you have to do? It depends. <laughs> um, if they're with me, um, as a tribal representative, I highly recommend going with the alternative eligibility criteria program instead of the national verifier. So basically what that means is you as the provider have to write how you're going to keep track of all of the eligibility criteria yourself and prevent waste, fraud, and abuse. It's like a 10-page paper of how you're going to prevent waste, fraud, and abuse, and then they have to approve it. Um, Alternatively, is a national verifier where the users can go to acprogram.org or get connected to internet or there's a million different websites now to um, basically get you to the place where you log in and you create an account and you sign up that way. Wait, so so the user, I mean, a lot of the people who are listening to this, I think, are, are sort of interested in just generally, they may not themselves be people who are taking advantage of it or administering it. So so it's on the user to register at the federal government in this, in this method? Yes. And I have actually, so there's... Um, an alternative way, which is not used very frequently, especially with large providers, and that's having the provider themselves enroll them. 
Mm-hmm. And so it's the same system minus creating an account and doing the verification process. I did a side-by-side comparison of time. It takes the user, like a consumer, 18 minutes longer to do the same thing than it would take me to do it. And it would take you about two minutes, you told me. Yes, that's correct. And and that is like a very generous way because I already have an email account. I know how to verify an email. So those things, you know, increased the, the, you know, the speed of me being able to apply as a consumer that a lot of consumers that are low income and without internet wouldn't necessarily have. Um, and there's this movement towards the digital navigators enrolling folks but they don't have access to the system that I have access to because they're not a provider. It mm-hmm. just doesn't make any sense. And so to be clear, I feel like we have obscured this a little bit. When you have an experience when you were running the Euroc network yes. that you were signing people up there, now you're signing people up on behalf of, of ISPs that are working with Althea. And I also created a signal, or not, sorry, not signal, a Discord server called ACP Provider Support Group because I saw a lot of other ISPs that are struggling with this lift. And so I've actually helped a few other people just generally um, with the process that way through the through the Discord server. And so basically got um, Althea in the states that we are currently registered with, which are Washington, Oregon, and California, to be able to offer that service to all of our, our mini networks. And so the next step is getting people enrolled. There's um, multiple ways to do that, but once you get a user enrolled, then you have to enter them into a second database system, and that's called NLAD, and that's the National Lifeline Accountability Database. That's the one that's important. Once someone's in that database, that snapshot I referred to earlier that's done on the first of the month, those are the people that you can make a claim for reimbursement from. If you're one of the major telephone or cable companies, they are uh, doing all the work for a person that's registering for service generally. But if you're not, then you sign up for a uh, the service in terms of, of uh, going through the national verifier, creating an account on a system, which requires an email, which requires you to verify your email, which can be a challenge for a number of people that have not been using this in the past. And then you still have to then get into the NLAD system. Yes. So in order to do that, it's everything, the same thing that you would have entered in for the national verifier minus the last four of your social. If you have your um, application ID. And so then that gets entered. The snapshot of the provider's database is taken on the first of the month for the month prior. And those are the only people that they can make a claim for. So that's where some of the problem lies is that if you don't get in their system for whatever reason, it could be data entry, it could be, you know, they couldn't get a hold of you and your application ID expired, whatever the case may be. Um, But those are the only people that they can file a claim on. Those are the only people that will get that credit to their bill. And because it's done the month after, on the 28th is when they get the deposit for the prior month. Sometimes those are delayed quite a bit. So one of the things that has come up is that if you don't get your claim in on the day that you're supposed to get your claim in, yes. then you would not be able to get reimbursed for all those. That's what we were talking about at the beginning yeah. of the conversation. Yeah. So the major dates are the first when they do the snapshot. The 15th is when you do your claim. If you miss the 15th, you don't get to redo your claim. Um, uh, 
until March. March, they changed the rules so you can go back up to March for up to six months and file a claim on the people that were in your snapshot. Um, so you file your claim on the 15th, if all goes well, and then you get a deposit and one lump sum on the 28th of the month. Now, this is why the device component is kind of a big lift for a lot of folks because when you get your deposit includes all your subscriber fees, the $30 or $75 plus the $100 for those that got some sort of device reimbursement. And so that's the part that isn't really being thought of like as how difficult it is to go back and re-enter or credit somebody's account when you have hundreds. Even if you have tens, it's still a lot of work administratively to say we got $3,726, but where does those 300 you know get entered you There's don't have like a good record where the you don't have like an itemized like receipt from the no. usac no you get a claim check that's it and then an ach <laughs> deposit that's it and there's nothing to indicate that that deposit you got was for acp wow. at all in your bank wow. it just says from uh the u.s department of commerce or something like that mm -hmm. something really random that doesn't refer to the fcc or inlet or usac at all so you have you could have an ISP in which you have you're serving some people on non-tribal lands who are getting thirty dollars a month credit. Yeah, some are getting seventy-five dollars a month if they're in an area. And we're going to talk about the latitude longitude issue in a second. Oh yeah. And then you also have some people for whom you may have processed a one hundred dollar a hundred dollar device, but like is it possible the FCC has if you if you submit ten of those claims could the FCC like reject seven of them and not tell you? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> come on yeah no totally true and um you know speaking of that like when you have a mixed customer base and you have mixed uh transactions doing the accounting component of it going back and crediting those accounts and doing the documentation there's nothing at all for you to indicate that that deposit referred to that transaction that you did in Inlad or USAC or any of those databases because they don't talk to each other at all. Right, so we are here at the National Tribal Telecommunications Association. We just have a couple of minutes left before we have to become a pumpkin. And, <laughs> um, and one of the things that came up earlier was that make sure your billing system can talk to your provisioning system and all this other stuff. Yeah. I don't think people realize that like how hard it is to have a system that works well where you can keep track of all these different things and without having to do it yourself in spreadsheets or something. Oh yeah. Cause spreadsheets, we all know they can get real messy real quick and there's nothing to tie them together with each other. And there's nothing to like give oversight um, or accountability. And so the thing that I'm really curious about later on, this is kind of like a rant, but the accountability of this, the auditing, what are they going to do to audit it? They don't have a good process in place for getting you the funds. So what, what's the audit process look like? But I digress. The d device component. Um, so you have an option as there a provider. There are devices out there. Yeah, there are devices. You can't get one device from one provider providing um, ACP and the, the subsidy from someone else. It has to be your service provider. And you can only get one per household, period. So if your service provider chooses not to provide devices, you just don't get that device. Now, if they do, thank them because that is a very expensive and heavy lift. Um, and But I found, uh, you know, when I was doing it for the tribal government, I found a tablet that was $110. So you have to charge the consumer more than 10 less than 50 So they wouldn't let me charge 10 I had to charge $10 
and one cent mm-hmm. um, as a copay for this tablet. It was a pretty decent tablet. But re- since then, I've learned of PC refurbishers. Um, so there's a several, and they're all over. Uh, PCs for People is one of the bigger ones, and then CompuDot and things like that. And they all have low-cost refurbished laptops at a low price that can work with you on getting that um, as one of your device options. And they may even have like a marketplace for some of them, right? Yes. And so, like you know, for for example, PCs for People has a online portal where you can go sign up for that device. You can select from several different choices, a desktop or a laptop or a Chromebook. And depending on the quality, it will depend on your copay. So they have a $11 copay or a $40 copay or something in the middle. Okay, so as a small provider, this audit issue, knowing that it may be beyond your control and also knowing that, I mean, just take our take our word for it, you, you're Jessica and me, um, that... The FCC doesn't have a good handle of who's lying. How much How much did it bother you knowing that you could be audited? And even if you had people on properly on tribal land, the FCC might even come in to be like, no, you have to give back thousands of dollars. Like That's a big deal for an ISP your size. Absolutely. And also, it's a pass-through benefit only. Um, what really frustrated me about the ACP outreach grant fi- uh, final report was that there, Jessica's Rosenborsel, SEC chair. Yeah, she said specifically that no um, broadband provider or anybody that works with broadband providers can apply for that grant because broadband providers make money from being on the ACP program. And I am here to tell you, no, <laughs> it's a loss. It's a loss of um, administrative time and it's a loss of shipping costs for devices. It's a loss of entering the information and so if there were a situation where someone were audited and having to pay back money pay back what mm-hmm. you know right there's there may be some isps that make money on it like the big cable and telephone companies but most of the isps that are a part of it are smaller companies and they're not making money on it yeah so in recent news there was an article about the audit um found three different large providers something like $450,000 worth of uh, eligibility based on one child who was four years old for every single one of those uh, ISPs. And, and when I read the full article, that child's name was John Doe, birthday 1118, mm-hmm. and the last four was 1234. I know from my past life working for social services that that is a test user in a test environment for the Medicaid program. That tells me that the Medicaid program, that is the test environment, is live again. And somebody needs to turn that off and it wouldn't be a problem. (laughs) That's interesting insight. (laughs) Yeah. So, I mean, like if it were me and I was trying to get someone enrolled based on whatever eligibility, um, and I'm sure that these bigger providers that were doing this had some sort of API in place. It wasn't a manual entry. And they were just using a test dummy name. And because the system was broken... It was allowed to work. That's to me isn't fraud. That's a, an oversight on the federal government's part, turning mm-hmm. off the connection to the Medicaid database that is for test use only. The thing that I do know about that database is every Sunday all the information gets dumped because it's test should not be connected to the world. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Well, thank you, Jessica. You got to run. It's been wonderful catching up with you. Thanks. We have transcripts for this and other podcasts available at muninetworks.org/broadbandbits. Email us at podcast at muninetworks.org with your ideas for the show. Follow Chris on Twitter. His handle is at communitynets. 
Follow MuniNetworks.org stories on Twitter. The handle's at MuniNetworks. Subscribe to this and other podcasts from ILSR, including Building Local Power, Local Energy Rules, and the Composting for Community podcast. You can access them anywhere you get your podcasts. You can catch the latest important research from all of our initiatives if you subscribe to our monthly newsletter at ILSR.org. While you're there, please take a moment to donate. Your support in any amount keeps us going. Thank you to Arnie Hughesby for the song Warm Duck Shuffle, licensed through Creative Commons. This was the Community Broadband Bits podcast. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.